My guest this week is Chris Plant. He's here to talk about his review of Cuphead. My name is Justin McElroy, and this is Polygon's Quality Control. Chris Plant, welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the QC, which is some new hip branding I've been trying out. <laughs> That's really nice. Did you spend a lot of money on that? Uh, yeah, I had a firm. Uh-huh. I had a think tank work uh-huh. it up. Uh, Cuphead, uh, if I were to su- boil down your thesis of Cuphead, mm. uh, I would say, and tell me if this is fair, it's a game that's harder than it looks but not as hard as you've heard. Yeah, I think that is pretty fair. It looks like uh, a children's game in the sense that I think uh, many adults see a cartoon or a 1930s style cartoon like this. It kind of echoes the Steamboat Willie days of Disney. And they think, oh, what a, what a friendly thing. And then you start playing it and you get wrecked uh, immediately because it is much closer to the 16-bit treasure games or mega man is probably a more familiar uh i guess focus point of of that kind of running gun genre so yeah it it looks a little silly uh it is definitely a game that you fail over and over to get to uh, a point where you can win but it is there there has been so much bizarre drama around preview sessions for this game about whether or not people are actually good at video games who who have been playing it previews which is a silly question because again it's about failing the the entire point of this game is is to embrace failure and to learn so it's kind of funny I mean, it's not funny for anybody who was harassed on the internet, but it's maybe ironic that people were upset that people were failing in this game that I think really values the idea of failure and and that you can kind of learn from it. Now, Cuphead, uh, I think you portray as sort of a a very fair game uh, with regards to its difficulty uh, for the the most part. How does it uh, sort of hold your hand and and walk you through? What are some of the, the clues um, well, I I, I want to cushion that with saying, like, it's fair depending on what you go into this game wanting. I, I think Ben just published a piece on Polygon.com, a website, um, about the expectations of winning a game and how a lot of games now uh, are designed to get you through the game. Uh, there's an entire business model built around you completing games and not getting tired of your game and trading it in. And this is not that. This is a game that, like I said, it 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 encourages failure. Um, and it, as long as you know that going in, it will be happy to teach you. And what I would compare it to uh, for what you're asking, how does it teach you, is think of classics like Super Punch-Out!, where you're boxing and the uh, your competitor has a really exaggerated wind-up. That way you know... Oh, that, that the uppercut's coming. I better I better move left to get out of the way because he's gonna go across my right. There's a lot of visual cues and audio cues to just let you know, hey, th- this um, flower is wobbling. It's uh, what it looks like a neck, but it's actually the 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 stem. You know, well, no, the 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 part where the bees get the goop, the pollen. Stamen. 
Sure, the statement. Or the pistol. I, it's maybe? been a long time since I watched Grease too, so I forget <laughs> all the important bits. But but it, it wobbles. It wobbles the the pollen bits, and before it shoots out at you, and that, that is like very early on, but gives you an idea of these kind of patterns that you're looking for. And I think it's fair because once you do spot these patterns, and they and they do become increasingly obscure. Um, then you 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 pretty much have a path to victory. I, I think there's a little bit of well, there's a lot of bit of requirement of being relatively reactive, being able to have some twitch control to it. Um, but I I don't think it like I don't know. I've played some games like this where I feel like I know how to win, and it's just not gonna work. Like the game for whatever reason is designed in a way that I need such a degree of precision that even though I know how to avoid this attack, I'm going to have to play for another three or four hours to actually pull it off. And and that's not here, except for the final boss. Uh, there's, uh, it, it does a really interesting thing uh, that, that I really liked, where even if you, after you beat a stage, you get a, a sort of report card on how you did. Um, and it, even if a boss was hard, you, you still see the places where you kind of could have improved. And the levels are short enough that, that I was very tempted, like, okay, uh, I'll give this one more shot. Um, but one of the things that kind of threw me is uh, the game's got this parry system where when pink objects are on the screen, you can sort of jump and then jump off of them to quote unquote parry them. Um, and that like lets you do more super attacks and increases your score at the end. Um, I was a little bit stymied, though, because it seemed like a lot of the pink objects, it, it would be very difficult to parry. Like, is the ideal situation that you're parrying every pink attack that comes along or just as needed or what was sort of your approach yeah i think that is it's a weird thing because parry is not the best word for what you're actually doing parry when i hear parry i think of it like as a defensive counter move right right and and it's that at first in the game and there are times where you have to parry essentially to not get hit there's just a wall of bullets and and you have to find something to parry but no i i think especially past the midpoint in the game going for parries is more of a risk reward you you know that you need specials to essentially complete certain boss fights and you want to build up uh those those bars essentially that you get from a parry so you're you're doing these bounce bounce maneuvers that i think actually kind of give you a little bit less grip on your control um and and it becomes that it becomes a choice of hey am i really valuing um my specials or do i think i would do better to avoid the parry and just and basically just stick to my basic gun and and there are uh, the the game has a, a series of loadouts so you you sometimes don't have to make this choice for example there's a loadout that auto parries the first thing that you hit uh, in a jump or there's a loadout that um automatically recharges your special power so you don't have to parry hmm. um so i i think it it offers you options if you find any one path grading right like you don't have to parry if you want to play this game with special powers there is a way to do that in the game without that play style um but i think it rewards people who who basically learn the risk reward system because then you can use that loadout spot for something else uh 
we talked about this game a little bit on the besties and you and uh russ i believe touched on something uh about the default control scheme not being ideal that might be a little bit too in the weeds but just as a customer as a consumer service thing uh because i i did not realize this either um what can you can you talk about that a little bit yeah i mean i don't think it's in the weeds at all because i think every single person who plays this game is going to come in contact with this terrible like truly terrible control scheme which is Pretty much at all times, you want to be holding down the fire button. You want to be shooting bullets. You're going to be jumping constantly. Uh, but then you also have to worry about, you know, uh, launching your special move and dashing. Dashing is especially useful with there's a, a capability that allows you to essentially dash through attacks. It makes you in, invisible or invincible um, while having it on so the issue then is that the default has all of those things on the uh the face buttons and there's no good way to essentially do four things with your thumb at once so yeah what we what i recommend is moving most of the controls to your uh shoulder buttons because then you you're going from using one finger to control the entire game to using you know what five uh, and it's just so much, so much easier. Um, I really, I really don't know why they, why they did this. The the best uh, theory I saw, somebody on Twitter, I wish I could remember who, pointed out that maybe it's because they think that it'll attract casual, more casual players, and that you learning to use face buttons versus learning to use triggers is a little easier. But at the same time, wow, if like. If you're going from, you know, Candy Crush to Cuphead, more power to you learning the the, yeah. the full ability of the controller. Um, uh, yeah, that seems like a odd, an odd jump to make. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, did you play around with the, uh, the co-op at all? I know there's the ability to add a second player. I did um, a little bit with my wife um, and she does not play a lot of video games or um, necessarily enjoy a lot of video games. So it was more of just to make sure that it works. Um, and yeah, it seems I, I will go more off of uh, Pat and Simone played quite a bit for our YouTube series and watching them play. It was noticeable that you share a pool of life and the parry system, if you run out of hits, essentially, uh, on you, you can then parry your partner back to life. But I'm watching that, and all I can think is, okay, enemies seem to be tougher. Um, you, you're sharing life, so you hopefully you have parity, or else you're going to drive each other insane. And two, going after someone who has just died to save them probably is going to put you directly in the line of fire. So, well, that might seem like it is a huge help if anything that feels like it's going to lead to more people like throwing themselves into death rather than reviving their body right um uh, but i'm glad it's there it's it is definitely a cool way of getting into the game especially if you can if maybe you aren't super good at it and you still want to see everything there is to see that that seems like a good option uh, I have a bunch of questions from listeners, but I uh, am going to get to those in just a second. Because okay. first, I want to tell you about 
Gamefly. Mm. You want to save money and play more games, Chris? Let me introduce you to our sponsor. He's right over here. His name is Gamefly. And he's the not a person. It's he's a, a fly. Service. Oh. It's a fly that loves games. Uh, it's how you can buy and rent your favorite games. You pick the games and then have them mailed directly to your door. Uh, there are over 9,000 titles to choose from, which I understand is a mimetic concept. Uh, you can try uh, your favorite games and movies. Movies, that's right. I said movies. Before you buy them, you keep them as long as you want. You can cancel anytime. And uh, again, movies too. So games and movies. Go to Gamefly.com slash quality control and start your free premium 30-day trial today. That premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time. And you can only get this offer by visiting Gamefly.com slash quality control. Go sign up and start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days. You can't beat that. Even if there's like a couple games you want to play, go get them from Gamefly. You get it for free for 30 days. You have nothing to lose. That's Gamefly.com slash quality control. Also, this week, wanted to mention That's It Bars. They started with fruit. They mastered it. And now they're putting vegetables Believe it or not, disgusting, repellent vegetables are made palatable through the magic of That's It technology. What's in them? Well, vegetables and fruit and sometimes beans. You want to put some healthy snacks to your kids' lunches? Well, good news. There's a bar that's just made of vegetables and beans and sometimes fruit, and it's called That's It. These are gluten-free, kosher-free, vegan, and raw diet-friendly. And they're wait, made wait, wait. With... They're probably just kosher, right? Not kosher-free? Not kosher free. That doesn't, there's no kosher ingredients. No, yeah, they're kosher. Yeah, yeah they're kosher friendly and gluten free friendly and vegan friendly. Uh, they're great for getting one full serving of vegetables every day. They're <laughs> under 100 calories. They're super delicious. They're a great source of fiber. There's no fat and four grams of delicious vegetable protein. So that's it. It's just vegetables and fruit and sometimes beans. Our listeners get an amazing deal. If you go to that'sitfruit.com, enter my code control at checkout to save 10% off your order. Try them. They're vegetables and fruit and sometimes beans. And you won't believe that there are just those ingredients. It's, uh, there's some kind of magic happening here. That'sitfruit.com. Enter code control at checkout to save 10% off your order. Your taste buds and your body will thank you. Uh, okay, questions from listeners. Uh -huh. Uh, first is from Aiden. Were there any moments that didn't feel as immersed in the 30s cartoon style as the rest? Was there a hiccup in the flow, if at all? Not a hiccup and not in the way that would be a negative. But I mentioned this in the review. 30s cartoons, um, they could be pretty wretched and vile and racist. Um, they they leaned heavily on caricatures. Um, I mean, for, for a long time. This isn't limited to the 30s. Um, but if you go back and look at anything, especially in the 40s, with uh, going into World War II, it was grim. It was, it was really toxic stuff. And I think the game does an overall admirable job of capturing certain characters um, that were popular in that time without falling into the trap of just totally recreating them as they were. Um, and by that, I mean depictions of blackface in cartoons. Um, there are, I'm not going to go into great detail, but there are a number of kind of stalwarts of that period. And I think it 
has creative ways of nodding at uh, some of the more popular cartoons of that era without, like I said, without just being like, oh, well, we can be offensive because they were back then. So free pass right. now. I remember seeing on TV a Tom and Jerry cartoon that had a pretty horrific sort of like mammy uh, caricature. Mm. Um, and it was uh, there was a, a, a like interstitial beforehand which I guess wouldn't technically be an interstitial, but a, a title card that came up was like, these cartoons come from a different time yeah. and may contain whatever, whatever. And it's like, all I could think was like, man, y'all really didn't want to make any new Tom and Jerry cartoons, huh? Did you really <laughs> just make another one? Just make a different one, y'all? For, for real. Um, from Andrea, does it have any appeal to, quote, casual gamers or people just getting into video games? Um, yes, I I think so. I would encourage people to give it a try, even if uh, this isn't something they've tried before, especially, like I said, knowing what it is going in, knowing that this is a game where the fun is in playing the same level for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and seeing how much further you can go. If you, if you feel like you would enjoy that challenge, you should go for it. The other thing is there is a mode that is the easy mode. And f as far as I can tell, the only punishment for playing on the easy mode is you don't get to play the final two bosses, which uh, is a gauntlet of three to nine bosses um, and the, the very final boss. And uh, those bosses are not great. Like those are the those are the two moments of the game I enjoyed the absolute least. Um, so missing out on that, uh, you know what? You can go watch it on YouTube. I think you you'll get to see the beautiful art, uh, and you can enjoy the rest of the game, which overall I think is very nice. This is from Kevin. Do the beautiful animations interfere with your ability to judge things like hit boxes? Um, yes, a little bit. Um, the 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 biggest issue is the foreground. There are times where the art essentially you're often in kind of a locked box, right? Like it's a, a static space. There's a static background. Uh, the animation of whatever the characters are doing in a static foreground, like a lot of traditional animation of that time. Um, the static foreground can essentially wrap up the corners and the sides of the screen, creating a proscenium effect. If you love, uh, if you've participated in high school theater. Um, Thank you. And there were a few times where something got in the way in the foreground and it, it caused me some grief. There uh, really, I can mostly think of two. One is the, the final boss battle that I mentioned where I, I, for the life of me, I think there's a bug that essentially punishes you with a hit if you manage to dodge the boss by hiding in the proscenium. Um, and there was another one early on in the game, which I, I won't go into great detail, but it's, it's a small issue. But overall, I'm impressed with how well it communicates its gaminess without defaulting to, oh, well, now it's pulsing red or here is like clearly the weak point uh because it somehow is like a different vibrancy than the rest of the animation in general it's pretty good about those things um uh you, the game received an 8.5 which is based uh which our reviewers do not choose our scores independently it is a sort of a group decision but 
you were fairly glowing in your review, and then you really came down on the last couple bosses, boss encounters, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, And I know it doesn't work like this. We don't start with a 10 and then detract from there. But it does seem to me like that was not just a frustration, but rather a sort of meaningful impact on your overall enjoyment of the game. Do you think that's a fair characterization? And and can you delve into that a bit more? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, say, having a really bad boss fight at the end of an Assassin Cre- Assassin's Creed game would not really impact my score of playing an Assassin's Creed game, right? Like, it's a big open world. There, there's... Uh, so many things that I do in it that are not boss fights and expecting it to excel at the field goal, essentially, of video games uh, is not really what I'm there for. I think what really disappointed me with this is this is a game of boss fights. The whole game is that. It, it, it's And it's building and building and building and making you a better player and teaching you all these really interesting skills and teaching you how to think about space and movement and um how it's the weapons that it gives you how the enemies react to them in different ways and for it to build and build and build so well and then take you to what should be the highlight right like it's a game about boss fights here the two big boss fights for them to be clumsy or like i said i i still feel like there might be a bug in it uh to feel cheated at the end of all that is not a great way to go um and again that is not so big of an issue that i would say people shouldn't play this game or even that this game is really damaged by that because again there are i think 30 some boss fights in the game you know there's there's plenty to enjoy here um and the story is not so rich that like missing out on the conclusion is a disservice to it um but you know if if you're gonna make a game about boss fights hopefully you would nail the biggest one um and unfortunately in, in my opinion that didn't really happen uh well, Plant, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for making the time to talk with me about this video game. Sure. Uh, and thank you to you at home for listening. You can read Plant's review of Cuphead on Polygon.com, along with a lot of other great content. Mm. So uh, go check that totally out. But that is going to do it for us for this week. Until next time, for Chris Plant, my name is Justin McElroy. And thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.